0: Today we begin in earnest to show the great panorama of God, the story of God as God told it. And we are going to do that through the eyes of the Septuagint. Now the Septuagint, as you'll recall, is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures that was done in Alexandria, Egypt, over 250 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And the modern day categorization of the Old Testament was given to us by the Greeks, that is, Hebrew scholars, rabbis, and scholars who got together, and in 70 days, tradition says, and 70 different rabbis came together and translated the Hebrew scriptures into Koine Greek, the same kind of Greek that is in the New Testament, because Alexander had shared his language, his culture, his traditions, his philosophies throughout the known world. And just as English is the trade language of the world today, so Koine Greek was during the days after Alexander and all the way through the New Testament. And it forms much of the language, Latin and Greek, form about 90% of all the vocabulary that we use in our English language today. And so it's very helpful to understand the Greek Koine Language. And so that is the way that we got our positioning of the books in the Bible. It's not the Hebrew breakdown and divisions and categorization that Jesus used and the apostles used. That was three different distinct categories the law, the prophets, and the writings, the Torah which was the first five books of the Bible. Then you had the prophets, the Nebiim, or Nebiim, the B and the V is just the difference in that is in pronunciation with a dot in the middle or not of one of the letters. Nevi'im, Nebiim, a Nebi or Nevi is a prophet. So the I am on the end means that the word is plural. So the prophets, the law, the Torah, the instruction of God, and then the prophets, and then the writings, the Ketuvim. As a matter of fact, the book of Daniel is in the writings. That's a history, even though we know that he was a prophet. You have just a different division altogether, and it's laid out different than it is in our English Bibles. And so what I'm going to do is take you through the Bible that we have in front of us, which was based off of the Septuagint. And so, therefore, we have the Torah named not as you would find the names in the Hebrew text, but in the Greek text. And all of these words that make up the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, are all Greek words words. When you speak them, you're speaking Greek. The word Genesis comes from the word for beginning, at the origins, when everything began. Then you have the word ekhodas, Exodus, which means the way out. It's made up of a preposition. Ek, which means out or out of. Hodas is the word for way or road or path. And so the ekhodas, the Exodus, is the way out. And it talks about the freedom from the Egyptian bondage that God brought his children Israel out with a strong and mighty arm. Leviticus, Leviticum is the word for the priest, the priestly tribe. And then in Greek, we have the word arithmoi, and that's in English, numbers. So we get our word arithmetic. So that's how we got the name for numbers. And then deuteronomos is deutero is word second. It's the cardinal second. And then nomos is the word for law. So it's the second giving of the law, really a rehearsal of the law. It's a summary of the law that Moses gave to the children of Israel before they went into the land of promise after wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and an entire generation had died off from the age of 20 and above. And so Moses was telling them the summary of what God had given him at Mount Sinai. And so that's all the way through. This is how it's done. For instance, if you look at 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, First and Second Chronicles, that's just Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles in the Bible that Jesus used, the Hebrew text. And so I'm just giving you kind of how things are laid out, and we follow the order, the book order of the Septuagint, not the Law of the Prophets and Writings, what we call the Tanakh, which is the first letter of Torah, Nebiim and Ketavim, with an A placed in the middle since there's no vowels in the Hebrew language as such that are written and weren't originally and uh, even today the modern day uh, Hebrew speakers after you get out of primary or kindergarten or first grade at the latest then you already know the vowels and you just learn the consonants and you learn the sounds that go with that all I'm doing is trying to lay the groundwork, because we're going to go through the great story of God and the reason we're doing this is because We are not passing the story down well. We're not passing down the stories of God, even in Sunday school and in other places. uh, Children are not taught the great stories of God, the great stories that are in the book of Genesis, that are as exciting as any stories that have ever been told. They don't hear the great stories of Adam, of Noah, of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, of Joseph, of uh, Judah. All of these uh, stories, the stories of the great judges, they're not told very much in Sunday school anymore we're doing other things and uh, not teaching the great stories and if you don't know the individual stories many times it's hard to piece the big part together so what we've got to do is do it like God does and tell the big story first and then you can learn the details that's the way our minds think and I expressed that to you last week when I uh, gave you the way that God begins the book of origins the but the book of Genesis when everything starts he gives and what we we call chapter one, he gives a summary of creation. Then in chapter two, he delineates more about creation, specifically about man. And so all I'm doing here is reviewing to help you to understand the basis of what I'm doing, because remember, the words of God are inspired. The words of the Bible are inspired, but the chapter headings and the verse headings are not. Those are, were added only a few hundred years ago. The chapter divisions were added in the 13th century, about 1220. 5 and those were added and pretty much we follow those today the ones that uh, were added in 1225 pretty much the same chapter headings they did a gr- tremendous job but sometimes they didn't catch uh, exactly uh, where the breaks needed to be and that starts early on but then the verse divisions didn't come along to the 16th century about mid 1500s 1550 to 1555 i think the actual date's 1551 all to say sometimes when we are looking at 50 chapters that's hard to remember but the book of Genesis is not in 50 chapters in the original it's in 10 chapters they are all based around genealogies because that's the way you told the story not just about events that's what we center in on but God's interested in people and so he bases everything on lineages and that's why we get bored listening to lineages but it's not boring if it is your ancestors if it is your great great grandfather and you see what they've done and there's a special note about them and how they're related to someone else that's very exciting if we really understood how our ancestry affects many of the decisions that we make today god wants us to know that so i gave you the 10 chapters so what i want to do is give you the 10 chapters as god laid them out as were handed down to moses so that moses could write them down these were meticulously passed down orally. I mean, meticulously and then meticulously written out. So this is what I'm going to give to you. For instance, the first story is how we got here. This was passed down and it's all started after the summary statement of what we call chapter one, but it goes all the way down through chapter two and verse three before really the story first summary story is told. So that introduction is like a thesis statement for how we all got here and how it all began. And that is what we would call Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 through chapter 2 and verse 3. And that's the introduction. If you were writing a story and telling a story, you would say, this is how it's all started. And as a matter of fact, that's the first word in the Bible, sheet in the beginning, beginningly, to start with. Not once upon a time, that's Aesop's fable. No, this is, this is how it all began. So you would give an opening statement, and that lasted down through chapter 2 and verse 3. But beginning in chapter 2 and verse 4, you have this word that appears over and over again, it's told oath. These are the generations of, these are the origins of the heaven and the earth. So God lays that out in chapter two. Then in chapter five, you have the next story that's told is the genealogy of Adam So God lays all of that out now between chapter two and verse four, and chapter five and verse one. A lot went on, and a lot of time passed. That is told the story in the intervening what we call chapters. But it's just a story. Then uh, chapter six and verse nine, you have the lineage or the origin told oath of Noah, and it's the story of how God selected and chose out Noah and. now that God gave the earth 120 years to repent at the preaching of Noah, Noah acting by faith, trusting God's word instead of what he had experienced, what he had seen, what he could with his sensory data, his eyes, his hearing, his smelling, his tasting, his touching. No, his input was not anything for this. This was supernatural. God said, I'm going to do something you never seen before, Noah, and the Bible says in the book. Of Hebrews that Noah acting trust on his trust in God acted because he knew that what God said was true in spite of what he was feeling and seeing and had experienced. And so that is all recorded beginning at chapter six and verse nine of Noah. Then after the flood, you have the genealogy that told Doth the origins of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. That's interesting that Shem is the name for name. It's the word name, and so Shem, the oldest, was named the name, and the name is always a reference to God, not a name, but the name, Hashem. The oldest son of Noah is how the faith was passed on. That's the genealogy from which Abram came. That's the genealogy from which King David came. That's the genealogy from which Jesus came. And you can read about that actually in the book of Matthew, and that's chapter one. And then you can look at Luke chapter three to get the genealogy all the way back to Adam of Jesus. And so you have Genesis 2 4, the generations of the heaven and the earth. Gener- Genesis 5-1, the generations of Adam. Genesis 6-9, the generations of Noah. Genesis 10, 1, the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Then after all of their genealogies was given and the breakdown of the tribes of the earth and the people groups of the earth, then God gets specific in Genesis chapter 11 and verse 10, because you see why he's telling a story. He's getting the big picture, heaven and earth, Adam, the father of everyone, Noah, the person in whom God had a new beginning. Then you have, have from Noah three sons but out of those sons he's going to center in on Shem that is in Genesis 11:10 and then 11:27 he centers in on one of the descendants of Shem who is Terah and from Terah we continue to tell the story because you know that's when Abraham is mentioned and Abraham is singled out but notice it starts with Terah not with Abraham not the generations of Abraham but the generations of Terah, who was the father of Abraham, and that's where it all got started. And then Genesis 25-12, just look at all that happened from eleven twenty-seven and the story of Terah, which is the introduction of Abraham, through twenty-five twelve, which is the genealogy of Ishmael. Even though God did not ordain what Abraham and Hagar produced, and did not assign Abraham to do that, he didn't trust God, and Listen to his wife. But you see, even in our mistakes and our sin and our shortcomings and our failures, God is able to produce something that's part of our story. And that's what he did with Ishmael. Yes, it's caused heartache down through the centuries, but it's part of the story. You see, this is one of the ways that we know the Bible, the Word of God is inspired because God tells the good, bad, and ugly. If we were telling a story, we'd just tell the good side about ourselves. No, God tells the whole story. and in 2519 you have the story of Isaac, Abraham's son the Genesis, the told the lineage, the origins of Isaac who was the son of promise but again you have Esau lineage given because he was one of the sons of Isaac and then that's in 36 1 because why? Because it was important because Esau comes up over and over again in the great story of God in the beginning in one of these early times and then Genesis 37 to is the story of Jacob. So what I'm telling you is I just gave you 10 divisions of the book of Genesis. These would have been the original chapters. Remember, these are the way through the generations many times that God would design and lay out the story in what we would call chapters. And so there are really 10 chapters to the book of Genesis, not 50. 50 chapters were assigned in the 13th century AD, just a few hundred years ago. There were never originally 50 chapters in the Septuagint. It was just these stories that were divided in 10 different sections, what we would call chapters today. But I call them sectioning because the Bible says we need to study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly cutting straight. Rightly dividing, cutting straight, rightly dividing, sectioning the story. Why? Because we can't tell a story without dividing it up in chapters. You can't just remember everything, so you have to have markers. And that's what we do all the way through teaching the Bible, is great historical markers. During the days of the Roman Empire, those were called milestones. And this is how you knew that you were on the right path, how far you were from Rome from the center of Rome and how far you had to go to your destination. Well, all the way through the Bible, God gives us milestones, markers. God has helped me to put these together, to teach these to people, to teach the great story of God. Why? Because we need to learn it, but we also need to pass it on to our children because that's our responsibility. This is how you teach a church. This is how you make Talmudim, disciples, learners. And as we learn how to break down the Bible, the story, all of a sudden, becomes a part of who we are. Often people will say, "How can you preach for five or six or seven hours at one time and never look to know why?" Because I have learned to tell the story of God, and it's a part of who I am. Why? How can I do that? How on earth could I do that? Well, it's not because I'm super smart. It's not because God has just gifted this to me. No, no, no. It's because over and over again I have saturated my mind with the story of God, and that's a part of who I am. Like if I tell about the birth of my children, I've told it over and over again. I can tell you the details about it now, and I don't have to go back and look at notes. Thank God I still have a memory. But why is it that I remember this? Because it's personal. And when we know the God who wrote the Bible, when we know the God of creation, His name is Jesus, we know Him, and it's personal with us, and we learn His story.